the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Pertona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about promoting your ministry, business, or school to thousands of people at Fish Fest from your very own booth, getting more people back into your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. You may remember a recent interview we had with baseball chaplain George Escalante, and George tipped me off to my new friend Andrew Baxter, who serves not only as a pitcher for the minor league baseball team, Campesinos de Salem Kaiser, also known as the Salem Kaiser Campesinos, but he's also a spokesperson for an exciting new event that's going to be held on Wednesday, August 24th at Volcano Stadium, and it's called Ignite a Night of Worship. So welcome, Andrew Baxter. How are you today, sir? Doing great. So excited to be here. Uh, Looking forward to sharing about this event. Well, very happy to have you here. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to drive up here. You've got to rush back down south for practice later on today. Yep. So gotta make it I back. realize that's been a sacrifice for you. But Andrew, what exactly is the big picture about Ignite, a night of worship? Ignite is a brainchild of a bunch of worship leaders and pastors that have been praying for revival in Salem Kaiser. Uh, it started before I ever got here and the owners of the stadium, uh, volcano stadium, Lisa Walker and Mickey Walker had been just praying for a chance to use their stadium for something more than baseball. Um, so their story is kind of part of my story. And the way that that all turned out was uh, last year, Two years ago, actually, they were put on notice that they were released from the Giants affiliate organization. They weren't even told about it. They were just told on Twitter. And so, no, yeah, it was crazy. And and keep in mind that this was a successful minor league 20 20 year partnership. Yeah. Many people who have played for the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes ended up wearing a ring for the San Francisco Giants many times over. And I think they were the most successful Class A affiliate ever in the history of Class A affiliates. 
And I realized we've just gone through a couple years of pandemic and business is what business is. However, that seems really cold to me to find out on Twitter. Congratulations. You've been dropped. Yeah, it was. But maybe wild. that's just me. Nope. That's baseball. And so they got notified on the radio or on Twitter, actually. And they immediately went to work and they designed this independent league, which I'm a part of. And I'm a closing pitcher for the Campesinos right now. And it's awesome. But their real vision was, let's find another use for the stadium, at least one night to honor what God's put in front of us. So uh, George, who is the chaplain for the the league still, reached out to me. Uh, I got connected with him probably my first two weeks there. I was lost. I didn't really know what I was doing up here. Um, just needed some sort of grounding. And he said, let's pray together. So we started praying, and last season was my first season here. I'm back this year. And the moment my wheels touched Oregon, I was given a phone call that said, hey, we have a vision that we want you to pioneer, and let's make this thing happen. This was in May of this year. And so we're here at the end of June, early July, and we're talking about actually making this event happen, Ignite a Night of Worship, which is a chance to fill the stadium, 6,000 seats, with just people who want to either hear the gospel or asking questions that are tough questions to ask right now. What What is this world all about? What does my life have meaning? Um, and we just want to worship as one people, one church, and ultimately lift up God's name. I love the mission statement that you sent me, Andrew, which is, quote, to know who God is and make him known in the Willamette Valley. So can you tell us about some of the people that God's connected you with to help get the ball rolling for Ignite and Eyes of Worship? Yeah, so the the main guy in charge of kind of putting together our worship and figuring out who's going to be on stage, uh, his name is Justin White. He's a music artist in the area, local, grew up here, went to Corbin University, uh, is connected with Church on the Hill, and he's been so instrumental in just connecting people. I have a buddy uh, named Zach Norman who's coming out from Tennessee. He's been a writer on a lot of the worship music that is actually published and out there by your bigger names, Brandon Lake, um, Christian Stanfill, a couple of other big-name artists. He's been a writer for them. He helped connect us with Christian Stanfill, so Christian might be coming out. That's the... That's the goal. Um, we're praying on that, and we'll have an answer soon. Then Kevin Tibbet at the stadium. He's kind of like the GM for the stadium. He's been so good about getting us on the field and helping us coordinate with some of our sponsors and things like that. And uh, we just had our first major sponsorship come in. I want to give them a shout-out, Sidekick Promotions. Caleb has been so good about uh, plugging in and letting us know who we can connect with. He's going to be running all of our banners and any of our signs that are out there. So Caleb has been huge for that. Beloved Cheesecakes. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about her. Jen is fantastic. She is a true fighter for the gospel. And she's been a part of a lot of big movements lately. She's probably going to be one of our biggest sponsors this year as well for this. So um, those are kind of our, our baseline people. Um, right now we're in talks with Pat Bailey, who was the assistant coach at Oregon State uh, when they won their national championship. And he's actually the leader of FCA in the region. He's been talking about coming on board. He loves the vision. 
Uh, we're, we're praying that we'll be able to have him in person at the stadium on the night of the event, uh, pending his schedule. But yeah, last minute stuff, but really God has just shown up in big ways and shown what the heart of Salem Kaiser is all about. So what's your big dream regarding Ignite a Night of Worship, Andrew? What do you see happening on August 24th, but also beyond? So August 24th, we are praying that 6,000 people show up to the stadium hungry for God and that they leave there fully nourished and ready to ignite the flames of their own communities for the rest of the year. And next year, on in August, late August, we'll be back again and we're going to reignite that flame and recommission people. We believe that the Great Commission is about sending disciples into their areas and letting them be equipped well. Well, the best way to do that, in our opinion, is to know who God is, and that's just the gospel. And it's really simple. Jesus came, he lived, and he died for us, rose again, and um, that's what we live for. And then to go make that known wherever we can. Have you had many of the churches on the I-5 corridor help you out or show interest at least? We have some good interest from about 15 churches, which I've, I was a youth pastor for three years in LA uh, before I walked away to play baseball and getting 14 pastors to agree on anything is a mission, but this has been placed in front of them. And the amount of excitement we've had for this has been incredible. Um, Church on the Hill, uh, Morning Star Community, a um, couple of the Calvary chapels in the area. We've got several independent churches that are maybe smaller in congregation size, but all along the corridor, they're all just rallying together, ready to promote this and show up on the night of. I love it, Andrew. So tell me about yourself. You've got this vision for this event, but can you give us a little bit of a history lesson on Andrew Baxter? <laughs> sure. Um, I am from Los Angeles. I was born and raised in LA. I grew up in the church. I was raised in Calvary chapels. Um, I grew up listening to Greg Laurie and the harvest crusades and the things that he does back home. And I've always had such a heart for evangelism. So I got back into baseball after four years off, uh, right out of high school. I went undrafted. I was actually a football player. Um, I played at, uh, in Arizona State Combine, which was amazing, and I ended up getting hurt. My knee got blown at the Combine. That was the last day I ever got to play football. And so it took about a year of recovery. By the time I was back, I was so small, there was no way to really make a bounce back. Decided to go to Azusa Pacific, um, got my degree there, spent all four years there, and was told I was too small to walk on their baseball team. I don't blame them. That was the year they went division two. They went 39 and one, like 14 of our guys ended up going to the, to the show. So I well, get that's it. impressive. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting my degree and had some life events happen to where my time freed up. And I said, you know what, God, I, we made a deal when I was eight years old. Uh, I said, I was going to play baseball for you. And I walked away from that and here we are. Let's make it happen. So I went to a junior college back home, uh, Glendale Community College, played one year, um, didn't really stand out. I mean, it was kind of a rough year or whatever. Had some people who believed in me, gave me a great off-season workout program. And the next year, I had just started a youth pastorship at a church there. And I was like, you know what? Maybe baseball isn't going to pan out. I get a call out of nowhere. And they said, hey, we got an open roster slot. 
COVID just hit. It shut down all of our leagues. We need players and we're willing to give you a shot. So I had to be in Indiana from Los Angeles in three days, um, (laughs) which was incredible. And I get out there. I pulled up to the stadium an hour before my start on the mound. And I had just driven, I think it's 16 hours or something like that. So I drove pretty much through the night and I roll up and it starts pouring rain. And my first time on a professional mound and my first professional experience was done in monsoon weather, 80% humidity on two hours of sleep. And it was the worst thing I've ever gone through. I gave up like five runs. I think I walked the side. It was horrible, but uh, they kept me on and they said, you know what? First time's always the worst. Let's see what you do. Had a breakout season, um, did really well from there. I played in Missouri. I played for some of the bigger independent leagues, uh, got in front of some of those coaches. And then about two, it was last year that this league in Oregon opened up and I came out here on a hope and a prayer. And I said, I'm 25 years old. Let's see what happens. And, uh, Daniel Robertson and, uh, coach Turbin, they, somehow believed in me. I'm the smallest guy on the field. I mean, you saw me when I walked in, you originally thought I was a catcher second baseman, but uh, I'm the smallest guy on every field I ever play on. I'm the complete story of what an underdog looks like. And uh, they, they believed in me and Terp, our coach, he went to Oregon state. He said, you know what? It's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight and the dog. Let's see what you got. Ended up becoming a 2021 all-star by mid season had a, uh, 2.3 ERA on the year, which for a reliever is about two points lower than it should be. And I just kind of stuck and it was incredible. We ended up winning a ring last year as a team. So I got this big shiny campesinos ring in my room right now. And then this year got invited back out to play for the same team. And here we are. Congratulations. What a great story. Yeah. <laughs> God has been super faithful about just opening doors and opportunities and it's never been a partial door open. He just kicks the door open. He just shoves me through it and says, you got to deal with whatever's on the other side. So you're a drummer who's the son of a drummer and now you're a professional minor league baseball player. Is there anything else we should know about you, Andrew Baxter? I actually did some Hollywood work right before I came up here. I was cast in uh, all American homecoming, which is a spinoff of all American and then had the opportunity to be a stunt double on an episode of All-American. So that's on the CW television network, right? Yes. Because All-American was based on Oregon Duck Spencer Paysinger. Right. So you got on TV? Yeah. If you watch All-American Homecoming, you will see me in the background and in the foreground of a lot of episodes. I was on, I think the season ran 15 episodes. I'm on 14 of them. I have no speaking roles. Budget didn't quite extend that far, but I am a recurring role and I'll be back on season two, which just got renewed. It all started because of baseball. Uh, they were looking for guys who knew real baseball and wanted to be in the background of the show. And so Peyton, who's the main actor on it and stuff, had no baseball experience. And he started out by just playing catch. And uh, there was two professional baseball players brought on, myself and one of the other background actors. And we spent time with Peyton. We spent time with some of the other actors just teaching them how to throw and do stuff. And we ended up being in the show consistently. And just, I got to give them a shout out because that was an amazing cast to work for. It was my first time in Hollywood being on a a major production. I had filmed a couple commercials for Chevy and stuff previously, but as far as a recurring cast, they were just so good to work with. 
This isn't something you hear every day, Andrew <laughs> Baxter. So somewhere down the line, if the Lord were to open any doors in Hollywood, might you be interested? I would I would absolutely have some fun being on camera. Um, I think some speaking roles would be fun. I would love to give that a whirl. So I can always go back and say, well, look at Andrew Baxter's IMDb account. I knew him back when. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm getting IMDb credits for this one, but hopefully next season uh, the budget allows for a word to come out and IMDb, here I come. Well, you know, do you remember the movie A League of Their Own? Absolutely. I had read that Taya Leone, who had a bit part as one of the girls swinging a bat, mm-hmm. no spoken roles, mm-hmm. saw what the other actors were doing and said to herself, I could do this. And she's gotten plenty of roles since that point, hasn't she? So, fun fact, I actually played in League Stadium in Indiana. That was the last league that I played in, and that's where they filmed A League of Their Own. It's in this tiny little farm town in southern Indiana, uh, cornfields everywhere, and uh, they have all the history, all the old odes to the peaches and everything. They're all still up, and so I got to play in this very special league on the Indiana Barn Owls uh, at League Stadium. Yeah. Cool story. Not only is Andrew Baxter a pitcher for the Salem-Kaiser Campesinos, he's also the spokesperson for a brand new event coming to Volcano Stadium Wednesday, August 24th, called Ignite a Night of Worship. And what I want you to do is check out the website, which has just freshly been put online at ignitesk.com, as in Salem-Kaiser. That's Ignite sk.com which i will post on the difference makers page at truetalk800.com more with andrew baxter next on difference makers Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with a pitcher for the minor league team, the Salem-Kaiser Campesinos, Andrew Baxter, who also has a vision for an event called Ignite, a Night of Worship, coming Wednesday, August 24th to Volcanoes Stadium, which you drive by I-5 all of the time with their pretty billboard up there. And I used to take my kids on the July 4th night, and we would park on that service road and be underneath the fireworks. It's a great place. And Andrew, congratulations on taking four years off and somehow not only getting a tryout, but making a professional baseball team. Am I correct in thinking that's generally unheard of? It's an interesting journey, for sure. Uh, Most guys go straight through. They'll play their whole lives and never stop. Taking four years off, coming off of an injury, it's got God written all over it. I don't know any other way to explain it. That's wonderful. So was pitching always your primary position or did you excel in other parts of the field? I was actually a shortstop for probably most of my young career. I didn't start pitching really and finding a love for it until I was uh, maybe 17, 18 years old. At that point, I started pitching because it was the only spot available on most fields for like Sunday league teams. And I was just doing it for fun. And then I somehow found a knack for it. So the more I invested in it, the more I was able to really pour my heart and soul into it, it became part of who I was. And now pitching is not my identity, but definitely who I am on the field. That's wonderful, Andrew. So 
Was your family growing up a strong Christian family? Were you regular church attenders? So we went through a lot as a family. My dad is an amazing man. I love him to death. He is a current worship leader at Calvary Chapel. Which one? Uh, Calvary Chapel, Sun Valley, back home in Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. How so neat. He is. Was he always a worship pastor as you're growing up, or did that come with time? It came with time. We hit a rough patch when I was little. Um, both of his parents passed away within six months of each other, and there was a time of depression and just a lot of pain in the family, and um, a lot of relationships were strained at that point, but. God showed up, and that's where my faith was born, was watching my dad come out of such struggle and being able to be the man that he is. And my mom was always a faithful woman. That woman can pray up a storm like no other. And she's been a women's Bible study leader. Um, she's just a servant. And that's where my heart is, is being a servant for the people. And worship has always had such a special place in my heart because my dad and I are both drummers. Uh, my dad is... Um, a worship leader from behind a drum set, which is weird because he doesn't sing, he doesn't play guitar, but he leads teams. I mean, he's been part of the Hear His Voice crusade back home. Uh, we've been on tour for, we've opened for Cutlass, who's a local band here. Um, we we have, love Cutlass. I know. And what's kind of crazy is we're actually talking possibly with uh, a couple of the mem- band members and seeing if they might want to help us out with the night. But that's neither here nor there right now. Um, my dad is definitely my spiritual role model. That man is everything that I want to be as a father and as a spiritual leader when I get when I get to that point. I love hearing the love that you have for your father and the admiration that your family went through some rough seasons together, but they kept Christ at the center and you were able to persevere through that. So good for you. But yeah, how rare is it to have a worship leader behind the drums. Oh, it's incredibly awkward and hilarious at the same time because you've got the people who are up front, the singers, the the guitarists and whatnot that are actually leading the worship. And my dad's just coaching from behind a drum set. He's, hey, this is what we should be doing a little bit. And oh, I he's love so it. gracious and so good with them. So obviously you're quite athletic to be able to walk on a field and play professional baseball after taking four years off and having a football injury, which yeah. ended your, your football career. But was yours a musical family as well? Uh, my dad is definitely a musician. Uh, he's been playing for 40 years. I started playing the drums when I was three. Uh, I'm 27 now. So yeah, definitely a lot of music. My mom, not so much. She was a clarinet player back in high school, but that was about it. Um, has a passion to sing. Don't ever put her in front of a mic. She knows it. She's not very good at uh, keeping a tune, but uh, her heart is definitely there. <laughs> Which I'll argue is more important than 100%. the top voice you could put behind their microphone. 100%. Only child? Any siblings or what? I have one sister. Uh, she is everything to me. She is uh, an LAPD officer. God she, bless her. Yeah. Wow. She's, she's out there on the front cookie. lines. Yeah, she came out of, she had her own struggles in the last couple of years. She's got three little ones. Um, she went into the LAPD as a 34 year old woman, um, started her whole life over and decided she was going to throw herself into this. And her first day on the job was the first day of the George Floyd riots. So she went straight from the Academy into riot gear. Um, so talk about trial by fire. Oh my goodness. So love my family. They are as amazing as it gets. They are lovers and 
they are everything that inspires me to be who I am. It's funny. So I grew up in New York, big sports fan, big baseball fan, but I was so unfamiliar with Calvary Chapel until I moved to the Pacific Northwest. And I've become a huge fan of the Calvary Chapel pastors Mm -hmm. and churches that I've encountered here, among other reasons, because a lot of the preaching tends to be expository, you know, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, leaving a lot less margin for error or Mm -hmm. agendas to be slipped in. And also, with the humility of the pastors I have personally dealt with at our stations, they never want it to be about them, Mm -hmm. it seems. So I'm really grateful for that. So growing up in the Calvary Chapel environment in Southern California, when did your faith become your own, Andrew Baxter, as opposed to being your parents' kid? Yeah, so the it all started when um, when my dad and I got baptized hand in hand, uh, which was crazy. It was awesome. Uh, I was, I think, seven years old, and that was kind of when it started to become real for me. It didn't fully click until I was at APU. Uh, I was 19 years old. I was sitting in chapel, and we actually had a, Cal- a local Calvary speaker come in. And uh, you might know him by the name of uh, Raul Reese. <laughs> um, oh, we love <laughs> Raul Reese. So, he was kind enough to speak at a pastor's breakfast for us here. Oh, great. We're uh, big Raul Reese fans. So my pastor back home, Gary Ruff, and Raul are brother-in-laws. So I grew up inside of the, the biggest names in Calvary. That was my family growing up, essentially. Wow. So, um, But yeah, Raul came in, and he preached this sermon that just cut me in half because— I was so lost identity wise, not having sports and growing up with that, um, not being on any worship teams or anything like that. And growing up with that, uh, trying to find my own way. I was, my degree is in sports ministry. Uh, it's a really lucrative degree that exists in like two universities. Um, so hence why baseball and ignite are connecting. But Rawl gave this sermon that said, basically, you aren't what you do unless you do something for God. And then it becomes your identity. And that just, I, it broke me. And I had to reach out and I I messaged him and we chatted back and forth a little bit. And it boiled down to the fact that I was putting all of my hope in too many things that were not God-based. They just weren't God. And the more I put myself into those trying to find my identity, the more lost I got. And he was so good at just breaking it down simply and saying, look, you're chasing after Jesus and you know it. It's time to stop fighting it. And that's the message of Ignite is everything around us is pulling us in different directions. And we're called to pursue happiness so often by the world. And we're given self-help books and things like that. But what we're really chasing after is the heart of Jesus. And if we can chase after that and attain that heart, the world around us seems to get a little bit better. So in your case, it was a conversation with Raul Rees after he had spoken at Azusa Pacific, where you were attending, and lost in yourself without music yeah. and without sports, which had inadvertently become your identity mm-hmm. over all these years. And yet, Raul was able to speak this into your life yeah. like others weren't able to up until that point. Or maybe your heart was finally ready. I don't really know. Yeah, But it's neat how far you've come since then to end up as a professional baseball player and now having this vision for ignite a night of worship on Wednesday, August 24th at volcanoes stadium. And I just, I just love what you're throwing together. 
with reckless abandon. So keep on keeping on and keep on making the connections that you have and keep Christ at the center of every single aspect of this. And I'm sure it'll work out just fine. Oh, yeah. Uh, God's already showing up and definitely made us aware that he is behind this a hundred times over, just bringing things together that, I mean, we were panicking at first trying to figure out if this was even going to get off the ground. And God just said, you start the snowball and watch how big I can make it roll. So that's where we're at. Oh, I love that. So I also love your transparency, Andrew Baxter. You'd mentioned that you're going to Azusa Pacific University. Mm -hmm. This is a well-known Christian college. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you were struggling to find your identity. So do you find this common from, say, teens to 30-year-olds nowadays? I think Uh, our... I think our most broken generation is right out of high school. I think there are so many things going on in the world that are pulling them in a direction that losing Jesus is easy and finding your identity in literally anything else. You scroll through social media, you'll have 10,000 things you could be in a matter of seconds. And I was one of those. I mean, I'm kind of the front of that generation that had the social media out in front of them and the the news articles and things like that easily accessible. So the more wrapped up in my phone I got, the more I wanted to be someone else. I wanted to be that big name. I wanted to be that athlete and God stripped me of it all. And it was a great thing that happened because I would never have come back to him. It would have all been done on my own pride. And uh, I would have said I was doing it for Jesus, but the, the truth is it would have just been me. And so to have it all taken away and then somehow brought back full circle and given to me in the proper context, that's everything. And that's what was needed for me. Do you think this is a common affliction we have in the social media age? Because in one sense, Andrew, there's nothing new under the sun. But in another sense, it really feels like we're drinking through a fire hose when it comes to the amount of distractions that we see on a daily basis. Absolutely. Uh, I think this generation will have such a trouble with identity because nobody wants to put a label on anything for fear of offense or fear of uh, mislabeling something for something else. And the truth is we need to be labeled as, as Christians. We need to know who Christ is, what his heart is and follow that adamantly. And if we're able to do that, well, the world around us is possible to change. And I don't think change is possible without Jesus. So, yeah, I, I would 100% say that social media, just the overwhelming amount of information that comes to us on a daily basis, is pulling people out of focus with who God is and who God created them to be. Which is not to say that technology and social media in and of themselves are evil as much as they can be used to draw us away from Christ. Right. And on the other side of that, I think if you know what you're doing with social media, you can influence people back into the name of Jesus and push people back into a message that's amazing and radically freeing for them. Um, So social media is not the evil thing that it's made out to be. I think what you put in front of yourself using social media is the issue. I think also it's less threatening clicking your thumb on a screen in your (laughs) pocket versus risking rejection from meeting somebody new in yeah. person yeah so it, it's it's easier it is. to get a click or a like or to receive some kind of mysterious affirmation i must be good somebody liked this yes so how do you deal with this 
as a pitcher for Campesinos de Salem Kaiser, the minor league baseball team that you're playing for right now? Because I'm sure that not everybody playing in this league is following Christ or is a Christian or has any religious affiliation, right? Right. So uh, what's funny is if you go to my Instagram, I have like 800 followers, which I'm pretty sure I know about 600 of them personally. Um, I don't have a big following when it comes to social media. I've never been uh, a social media brander or anything like that. But uh, I try to keep my social media very uh, close to the heart. I like to post about things that will lift people up. The rest of the guys around the stadium, some of them have great followings. I mean, people know them from all over the country. And baseball is a small world, so you keep around who you want to keep around and uh, you try to keep your head down and stay out of the news as much as you can. Um, but if you look at some of your big names, I mean, Clayton Kershaw, I'm a ball boy for the Dodgers, so I'm going to use Dodgers for this. Um, Clayton Kershaw, Freddie Freeman, uh, Trey Turner, all these guys have giant social medias. Well, I would say 90% of the time they're not even on it. Uh, they have people that handle that stuff. Uh, their job is to focus on their missions, their nonprofits, their work that's being done. Um, so they they post what they're doing, but they don't really get caught up in the rap about it. Um, and then you have young guys that will come up into the league. It's amazing to watch how 800 followers from being in the minor leagues turns into 10,000 followers overnight. And it happens literally on the day you get promoted to the big leagues. Everyone all of a sudden wants to be your friend. Great insights from pitcher Andrew Bachter from Campesinos de Salem College on the minor league baseball team playing in Volcano Stadium, which is the venue where Ignite, a night of worship, will be held, God willing, Wednesday, August 24th. What I want you to do right now is go to this website, IgniteSK.com, as in Salem Kaiser. That's IgniteSK.com. More with Andrew Baxter next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee, and Andrew Baxter is a pitcher for the minor league baseball team, Campesinos de Salem Kaiser, and he's also the spokesperson for the event Ignite, a night of worship, coming Wednesday, August 24th to Volcanoes Stadium. And I love how you not only got this vision, Andrew, but you put it forth into motion. So what I want to know is, who is the target audience for Ignite a Night of Worship? Who do you want to show up? I want everyone within hearing distance to be at the stadium that night. This is not a night just for church folk. It's not a night for people who don't go to church. It's a night for literally everyone. Um, I think God is moving in Salem-Kaiser with so many so many different things going on. Fish Fest is happening a couple days before. Ignite's right in the middle. Um and then we have the the state fair right behind us. So we just want to be a launching point for people to answer the question, who is God? And we want them to leave the stadium proclaiming his name. And if we can do those two things and change one life in that stadium by sharing that gospel, we are successful. Uh, we are all about catering to people's hearts and letting them know God loves you. God has a vision for you. Let's get on God's plan so that we can change the world together. 
In one sense, I love the simplicity of the message because I find it to be uniting, not only between Christians, but also with the curious mm-hmm. who may have no religious background whatsoever, or worse, maybe they've gotten burned in the past mm-hmm. or they have baggage they need to release. And I'm hoping that ignite a nice of I'm hoping that ignite a night of worship helps people get closer to God before the time they walk out of Volcano Stadium. Absolutely. I think we're in a a time period where the name Christian is either off-putting to some people or is completely foreign. And that's never been anything in America. I mean, to think about the word Christian as anything other than Christ-like, in my mind, is unfathomable. But I read about it all the time. What is this Christian faith? Why? Who are Christians? What do they actually believe? There's so many conflicting theologies out there. We just want to make it super simple for people. It's all about Jesus. It's not about politics. It's not about who you voted for. It's not about being the good person. It's about Jesus. And if we can leave people with that feeling and that knowledge, we've succeeded. So you'd mentioned Christian Stanville. Yeah. And you mentioned hopefully having some conversations with the members of Cutlass. Yeah. So what ways can people help you out? Obviously, go into the website, IgniteSK.com, as in Salem Kaiser, IgniteSK.com, which I'll post on the Difference Makers page at TrueTalk100.com if you want to click on the link. But what are your specific needs and requests, Andrew? So we are one, we're always asking for prayer. If you can pray for us, no matter where you're at, that is huge. God always said, wherever two or three are gathered, he is there in their presence. So if you can join us in praying for this, amazing. To put uh, real hands to work, I think what we're really looking for is um, donations at this point and fundraising and sponsors to come on board. Um, anyone that is interested in being a part of this night, we're collecting uh, funds and redistributing them into what this night will be. We need staging and lighting and audio productions. And we've had some amazing people jump on board and say, Hey, we've got the night free. We just got to be able to afford them. So, um, the other thing is volunteers will need people to actually be the hands and feet of the night. Um, that's the easiest way to get plugged in with us. Our local churches are already supplying people, but if you're here in this, then you're more than welcome to go to the website. On our website, you can go to the volunteer page or the partner with us page and uh, tell us how you want to either volunteer with us or partner with us, and we'll get you plugged in right away. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. We're in this fundraising portion to be able to afford all the amazing things that are happening that night. Andrew, is Ignite a Night of Worship a 501c3 nonprofit group? It is in process. Uh, We have not gotten it fully cleared yet. So it is in transition to being a 501c3. This year, we may not get it cleared before the event. So this will be uh, a little different. Next year, it will 100% be a 501c3. And are there certain volunteering opportunities that you're most needing in? For instance, on the list you'd sent me, you had mentioned parking attendants, ushers, setup and breakdown crews, security, prayer teams, and decision leaders for next steps. Generally, uh, pastors and church leaders grounded in their faith who can be able to lead others in a conversation of what comes next when they make a decision to follow Jesus. So where do you think that you're most needing? I think right now, uh, 
next step decision leaders, if we can start getting prayerful answers to that, I would love to sit down with people and put a team together that is so in love with Jesus and able to share that message clearly. Um, that's where the difference is going to happen. So those next step decision leaders are big prayer teams are another one. Um, and then the other one through four uh, parking attendants, ushers, and just kind of the hands and feet of the night. Uh, I think those will hopefully follow in line, but definitely want to get our next step decision leaders going. Um, I want them to know that it's okay to talk about Jesus and be very bold about helping people find that next step in their life. I love it, Andrew. So how have your teammates and opponents as a minor league player received the fact that you're so outspoken about your faith? It's hilarious. I think I was probably the least outspoken person about my faith, definitely, uh, in this league. I am, I'm not someone who goes around throwing Jesus around, for sure. But uh, it all started last year. George Escalante, who you had on your show, uh, came to me and said, I know you're a Christian. Would you prayerfully think about maybe praying with some of your guys before the game with me? I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so one thing led to another. Last year we had uh, eight of the campesinos getting together every game and praying about it. And uh, honestly, it was our shortstop that really took the lead on that. He was the outspoken guy, and his name is Trevor. And um, he took the lead on that last year. Well, this year Trevor's not here. And I said, I can't let that die. I think God's moving too powerfully. So I just sent out a quick message to our guys. And I said, hey, I don't know if anyone's interested, but we'll just do a Bible study and prayer together. And it's just blown up. We have eight of our guys. We have several of opposing teams when they're at the stadium coming through and praying with us. And so it'll, it's kind of funny. We'll have guys pray together before the game and then go out onto the field and absolutely despise each other for nine innings of baseball. Um <laughs> But that's the power of Jesus is the ability to unite before and after games and reconcile things that were maybe happened on the field. But that's where we're at. Andrew, as a pitcher for Campesinos de Salem Kaiser, but also someone who's unafraid to talk about his faith. Have you ever had any pushback, any of your uh, opponents or teammates? Not for me. Thanks. And we get out of my face. Right. Um, I've never had it directly. <laughs> I know I've been talked about. I know I've had uh, some funky clubhouse vibes go on where someone's like, yeah, just keep that guy away from me and his Jesus stuff. And I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And there's a respect thing that has to go on there. I mean, you got to play for six months out of the year with these guys and just being able to love them from a distance is sometimes more important than being able to push the narrative of Jesus uh, at first. And eventually everyone comes around and they realize I'm not that scary weirdo in the corner that prays to some altar. I'm I'm just a guy that loves God and loves people. I don't think I'm the only one who has had the, shall I say, more in-your-face Christian co-worker who wasn't good at the job. <laughs> and somehow that person ends up even less respected. And, and as a Christian, part of you might at times wish they never mentioned their faith mm-hmm. because they're bringing the team down right. or they're not showing up on time or they're bad at their job, or they're calling out sick when they're really not that sick. So I'm glad that your performance level as a baseball player has garnished enough respect that you're allowed to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And they might take you with a grain of salt, or a truckload of salt, as it would be. (laughs) But at least 
you've gained their attention because you've become this good relief pitcher out of nowhere after taking four years off. Right. Um, So my prayer when I hit the mound every time is the same prayer. God, give me the strength, the courage, and the ability to perform in your name so that people might recognize you. And then my first pitch comes out. It's the same prayer every time. And um, everyone knows that right before I pitch, I circle around the backside of the mound. The hat comes off. My head dips a little bit. I say my prayer. um, And then the hat goes on. And from that moment forward, I've had more people come up to me and say, how are you a Christian with that much ferocity in your eyes when you pitch? And my joke to them is, well, Samson was a cool dude until war hit. And once I hit the mound, it's a, it's a battle. I got to do what I got to do. And so um, no matter what, I have great relationships with the guys all across the league. And whether I strike them out or they hit me at the end of the game, we all come together and we laugh about it. And it's an opportunity to say, you know what, we're growing and it is what it is. I think that's a good perspective. I think that there have been professional players who maybe gave up a home run in relief and lost a World Series. Mm-hmm who are never able to let that go right? and did bad things to themselves because it became their entire identity. Mm-hmm. So especially after a couple of years of pandemic, are there ways that as a Christian brother, in addition to being a pitcher, Andrew Baxter, that you lift up your teammates around you oh, when yeah. someone had a bad game? Oh, absolutely. I think words of encouragement are everything in baseball. I mean, the moment somebody does something bad, the whole team's expected to pick each other up. But uh, with me, I will go out of my way and just kind of wait till the dust settles and that evening when they're home. And I would imagine things are rattling through their head because that's the way it works for me. I Sometimes I'll lose sleep over my performance, but uh, I'll just shoot them a quick text and says, hey, brother, um, I know how tonight went. Tell me more about how you're feeling in the morning. Get some sleep. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And just something simple like that, that opens the door for them to say, yeah, I'm either really struggling or, you know what, I brushed it off. We're good. I'll see you in the morning. Let's get back to it. Uh, but just opening the doors for people to be able to share where they're at, I think is huge because that's what Jesus did. He would go and he would prompt people with a question, ignite that conversation, and from there, channel that conversation where it needed to go. I love it, Andrew. There are some people that believe we should always use words to share the gospel with others. And there's another camp that says, do it through your actions. Mm -hmm. But I think they're both right. Right. And in fact, you do have to share the love of Jesus with your words in addition to how you treat people. And maybe that's just a, a text saying, praying for you, or we got it next time. Yeah. I think, uh, sometimes if you send out, it doesn't even have to be like necessarily church lingo. Um, I think, especially with people who are on the fence about God or just don't know, have a relationship with God. And you send out the words like I'm praying for you. That can be taken kind of weird sometimes, um, which is an interesting thing for church people. So being able to step out of your church lingo self, being able to be a a normal human is what I call it um, in the clubhouse and saying, you know what? I'm going to use words that you understand. And those words are, I'm just here for you. Uh, I want you to know that the door is open all the time. Let's talk. It's in those conversations that are organic and just free spirited that the gospel really lives and thrives. When people know that you care about them, they are way more willing to hear about the God who cares about you and them. And so that's where 
my heart comes from. My dad was one of those people. He was a superintendent and a teacher in schools for a long time. And he would have students come into his office in school districts in L.A. You can't talk about God. Don't even think about talking about God. He'd have these private conversations with students all the time. And people would come to know Jesus in his office probably twice a week. And he was doing some amazing evangelism in his school subversively. And that word subversive became my mantra for how to be an evangelist. You have to live in the world of people and be able to be around them without scaring them off using language that they don't know. Great deep insights for Andrew Baxter, who pitches for Campesinos de Salem Kaiser, the minor league baseball team, also known as the Salem Kaiser Campesinos. And Andrew, thanks so much for sharing your vision with us and really downplaying the fact that it's not your vision alone. (laughs) It's Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, wanting to affect this area for the greater good and bringing people closer to God. So are there people that you want to give credit to or send a shout out to on the way out? Absolutely. I want Justin White, who has been instrumental in this, Kevin Tibbet, uh, Lisa and Mickey Walker, uh, the owners of the stadium, um, Zach Norman, who's in Tennessee, coordinating all this stuff from abroad, uh, and just all of our partners that are starting to come together. I mean, Caleb uh, with sidekick promotions has been fantastic and george escalante uh, none of this would be here without him being the glue that kind of merged all of us together so um, god is good and god is bringing the right people into this uh, i pray that the pastors who may have heard this or um, the pastors that are jumping on board and the nonprofits that are starting to come alongside that they hear this and that they're excited or as excited as i am because i am fired up for this that website is ignitesk.com. That's ignitesk.com. Thanks so much for sharing all about the event, Andrew Baxter. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.